All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 135 of the DFO Rundown. Jason Greger is on holidays. Who takes a vacation in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Who approved this? That's all right. We got plenty to cover, plenty to get to. And that's because the NHL draft is right around the corner, just about one month away. And we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to have special guest, top 10 projected pick, David Yurichek, joining the program later. It's going to be a jam-packed edition. We've got Chris Peters alongside to talk and break down the NHL draft. And as I mentioned, July 7th, today's June 6th, just over one month away. Going to be interesting in person for the first time in a full Bell Center. Going to be loud and boisterous as the Habs have the number one overall pick. And it's also on a Thursday night, which is a new ring this year rounds two through seven on Friday, July 8th, and couldn't think of a better person to talk about it and break it all down on our 2022 NHL draft special. than the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Peters, you know, him from daily Faceoff and hockey sense with Chris Peters, Chris, how you doing? I'm hanging in there. I, this has been the, this, the longest draft season ever it feels like but then it was also the longest draft season ever in 2020 and 2021 so i think i'm getting used to it at this point i cannot wait for a normal draft season and i hope that that is next year but hanging in there final rankings will be out soon then i'll be able to to breathe easy well there's no way that this could actually be the longest draft year ever i think 2020 takes the cake with those guys having to wait until october but I could understand why it feels like all three of these are mashed together because that's what it feels like is one long run of three consecutive seasons yeah. for everyone in the hockey world. But give me your initial take, Chris, on, you know, I, I, I'm so I'm admittedly not a draft expert. This is why you're on the team. This is why uh, I lean on scouts and other people around the hockey community to fill me in. I don't profess to have any knowledge. So if you are someone that is a casual prospect or draft observer, how would you size up this class in terms of the overall depth and also the top level quality? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, in terms of top level quality, I think it's a little bit below average compared to what we've had in the last few years. Um, You know, depth wise, probably again, a little bit slightly below average, but, but closer to average. And, you know, once you get past the first few picks um, things really kind of, 
take off in terms of where teams have players. I mean, the, the, the boards are across the league are going to be very different than the public boards that, that everybody can readily see, including my own. You know, I think that there's um, a lot of uh, a lot of differences between the two sides in terms of what they think that, you know, that second tier of the first round is going to be, or what the second and third tier, I mean, you know, the drop-off to me starts after three. I think that the top three guys, Cooley, Slavkovsky, Wright, um, I feel like they're all very close. Um, and that can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. Sometimes, you know, we, we've seen years where, where the top, you kind of focus so much on those guys. And then all of a sudden somebody else from this class pops up and hey, is the best player. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's like, that'll happen from time to time. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, this class is, is to me, you know, it's, it's, it's a slightly below average class overall. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, the top, we don't have that, that obvious, you know, McDavid Matthews, even really like Jack Hughes that year, he kind of had separated himself. Um, I don't think we have that this year, even though Shane Wright certainly seems to be the guy that, that most people have won, but certainly not everybody. So you mentioned not everyone has, or will have Shane Wright at the very top of their board. It's funny because depending on who you talk to, you know, that, that gets met with a side eye at some point when you say that, Hey, you know, Shane Wright might not be the number one player here. And it's always interesting to have that debate. And in some ways, you know, drafting is always beauty in the eye of the beholder in terms of what they see or don't see, but you were kind of the first person out there publicly, at least in, in the NHL prospect world uh, in media wise to say, Hey, we've reached the midseason rankings point and Logan Cooley in my eyes has surpassed Shane Wright. And it was interesting because a lot of people reacted to that and they were like, well, it'll be fascinating to see how this last half of the season plays out. And Shane Wright did step his game up, no doubt. But a lot of people will look at this and say, he may not be sexy or flashy, but Shane Wright is a complete player and really could be that sort of next Patrice Bergeron type player. And when you hear that, you watch Patrice Bergeron over the weekend, collect his fifth Selkie trophy. And you're like, well, that would be a pretty decent player to add as a pivotal piece to your and foundational piece to your team. Where do you think things stand with Shane Wright? And, and why do you think, you know, this conversation has percolated so much, um, you know, in terms of getting to July 7th? Yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, I think part of it is, is that we have this baseline for Shane Wright that existed from his rookie season when he was a 15 year old and that he scored over 30 goals in the OHL. And, 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 you know, that was that, that first little glimpse of, Oh my God, what is this? You know, who is this guy? And and what is he going to, you know, we obviously knew who he was coming in. He got the exceptional status. Um, he was always so much stronger than, than the the guys that he was playing with and against. And then he gets the junior and he, it, there's no drop off. He just continues progressing. Then we lose an entire season. And so that's the other thing. How much of that lost season really impacts Shane Wright's overall development? Is it something that is going to take, you know, extend his timeline or is it something that he's going to, um, um, you know, have to recover from. I think at the beginning of the stages of this season, we saw that he needed more time. It, it really wasn't, you know, it, it really wasn't that, that great of a great of a start. Um, and, you know, his coaches said, you know, well, we had him playing with you know rookies in the league, you know, and, and everything like that. that. That's all well and good. Top players still produce um, the, the top players still produce and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter who they're playing with, um, what you have to saddle them with. If he's a number one pick, he should have been producing at that point. So that's where, you know, you're saying, okay, well, how much of that year come into play? Um, you know, nobody in Ontario played in, but, the, but then you say, okay, well, he didn't have Wyatt Johnston, who was the best player in the OHL this year, didn't play last year either. He also was at the world under 18 championship, didn't play nearly as well as Shane Wright did at the world under 18 championship last year, no games. How come his game went from, zero to 60, you know, just so, so quickly. So that's another thing that you say, okay, well, I, I'm confused about, you know, what this means for his overall progression. Now, Shane Wright, as you mentioned, did pick things up. He also started playing with better players. He played with uh, Martin Kromiak, Zade Wisdom a lot, guys that he had played with before, guys that are NHL draft picks. Okay, well, that that helps explain partially why the the, the thing went up, the, the production went up. The other thing is, is that um, I know a lot of people have compared Shane Wright to Sh Patrice Bergeron. Um, and I think that that's 
grossly overestimating his uh defensive ability he's very well-rounded no question but i think we always say if any <laughs> when we get into a draft any there was a long time where any forward that was a two-way forward was you know steve eiserman or then he was jonathan taves and now it's really been patrice bergeron um and i don't even think that shane wright's the best defensive forward in this draft class so that's the other thing where you say okay well so if that's true, like if, if we say he's Patrice Bergeron, then of course, I mean, like, yes, you would take Patrice Bergeron, you know, number one, it, you, a guy that completes your team. And, and that's not to say that Shane Wright is bad defensively because he's not, he's very good. He's, he's, he's smart. He's also has some of the best hockey sense in this draft. So, you know, but the same time is, is there's just enough stuff where you say, wow, you know, he hasn't progressed the same way that I saw Logan Cooley progress, certainly not as your Slavkovsky. And then you start wondering about ceiling. And that's where I think that the real debate is right now, including with the Montreal Canadiens, who is the player with the most potential to be the highest impact player. And some, and, and many people will say that is Shane, Wright. There are enough people that will say, well, it's actually Logan Cooley, or it's actually your Slavkovsky. And there might even some people that say it's Simon Nemec or David Juracek. They, they might say that too. Um, but I, I, I think that that's where the debate continues to this day. Um, and Montreal, Montreal has said they will not make a decision until July about who they're going to pick. Um, and I think that's a smart idea because they need to get all the information um, with those players. So we'll see where it goes from there. But that's why Shane, that, that's just to kind of explain the full season of Shane Wright, where why it's gotten to this point where we're like, man, maybe. You know, and I've certainly been that way for, for a little bit longer. But at the same time, I still think he's going to be an excellent NHL player. It's what makes drafting in the NHL so hard and so different than almost any other sport. You're talking about who will be the best player five or seven years from now, not who's the best player right at this moment. It's all about the upside. And that's what teams are trying to find is that potential. So let's play a little game. If you had the number one overall pick, who would you be selecting? If I, if I had it right now, um, my pick would be Logan Cooley still. Um, And it's, all comes down to where the NHL is going, the way the game is played and the impact that I think he will have. Um, He is actually also doesn't get as much credit, an excellent two-way center, highly competitive, always engaged. He's one of the fastest players in this draft, very aggressive with the stick. He's not a physical guy because he's not big, Um, but you know, he's about, he's closing in on five eleven or so he's about five, 10 and a half. I think at the combine is what he was, you know, so that there are five, 10 centers. There aren't a ton. Um, But, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the, the comparison that's been thrown around most about Cooley is probably Braden points. And I think that's a pretty apt comparison just in terms of, you know, there's a skill level, there's a defensive commitment. There's just an absolute will to, to compete and to battle. Um, you know, I think the interesting thing is, you know, he's, he's not going to be playing in the NHL next season, you know, so maybe that, I don't know if that matters to the should team. It, it, matter? shouldn't, it, it shouldn't matter. It should never matter. And actually, you know, Owen power proves sometimes the best thing for a first overall pick is going right back to where they were. Um, and that could be the case with Shane, Wright too. I don't think it'll end up happening, but that very well could be best for his development is to play another year of junior and, and, you know, put up 125 points or whatever. But, you know, for, for me, it just comes down to, okay, Cooley's a center. He's going to be a center. He's, you know, that he, he does all the things um, that Shane Wright can do. He just does them a little bit faster. And then also, um, you know, I would say that Shane Wright has, has an, a physical edge on him and has um, maybe a slight hockey sense edge. But I think that Logan Cooley plays the game at this speed right now. Um, and that is where the NHL is going. And, and so, you know, I've had instances over the years where, I've had no doubt in my mind from mid season on who the number one pick was going to be. I've never had more internal strife and debate. And then also external debate with, with scouts and everybody else about who should be number one um, this year. But to me, uh, I think that Cooley is the total package of, of what teams are looking for in ter- uh, minus the size um, in a center, just because he does everything so well. And he's so dynamic. Um, and I think that's the other thing that that is interesting about Shane Wright talking about the dynamic element. You know, he doesn't look flashy. 
but he's very, very skilled, you know, Shane, Wright. You know, so, but, but the thing is, is that, you know, I just think with Cooley's speed, with the way that he competes, all those different things, um, I didn't love his, his under 18 world championship. I thought he could have been a lot better there. And I, I thought there were instances this second half of the season where his play dropped a little bit where rights was going up. Um, but at the same time, you know, having seen Logan Cooley and, and Shane Wright for these last several years or three, you know, two, three years, um, you say, okay, well, who's, who's progressing at a higher rate. And I feel it's Logan Cooley at this point. Okay. So that brings us to the other part of the three headed monster. And that's Uri Slavkovsky, the guy that burst onto the scene for Slovakia at the Olympics, uh, 7.7 goals in seven games at the Olympics. When you look at Slavkovsky, there's other teams out there that are saying, this is the guy that mm-hmm. has the most upside in this draft. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think there's absolutely a case for it, especially with the way that his season progressed this year. You know, he definitely didn't have it at the beginning of the season. He wasn't producing. He didn't even look that great in the little bit of the world juniors that we got to see before it got canceled. Um, you know, I thought that he was fine. It wasn't amazing. Um, then he goes to the Olympics and his whole game took off. And then he comes back to the fin- Finnish Liga and then he he scores at a higher rate than he did before he left. Um, he gets more ice time. He starts getting more confidence. And so we start to see that progression. Then he goes to the world championship and he's Slovakia's best forward. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of, he's, he was playing 20 minutes a game against professionals. And this is a guy that had to work his way up. Even at the Olympics, he was basically on the fourth line, worked his way up to the first line. Um, and that's former NHL coach, Craig Ramsey. That's, that's watching this kid progress. Um, the things about him that, that give him the advantage, the size, number one, I mean, that who wouldn't love a six foot four power winger with, you know, 215 pounds. That's really hard to stop. He's got great hands. He's got an elite shot. You know, I think that he's also the kind of player. The reason that I have Cooley ahead of him right now is because I don't view Slavkovsky as a true driver of a line. I think he's a more complimentary player. Whereas I think Cooley is a driver. I think Shane Wright is a driver. Um, but at the same time, Slavkovsky is, is better. You know, Slovakia was more dangerous when he had the puck on his stick. Every time, if he was out there, they were a more dangerous team. And that's because he has that high end offensive of capabilities. Now the knock on him is that, okay, well, he didn't have great numbers. If you look at the top players that have been picked out of Liga over the years, his numbers do not come close to any of those guys, Barkov and, you know, even uh, Lundell. I mean, just does not that give close. you pause. It does. It does give me a little bit of pause, but then it's also important to remember the context of the season and that, you know, he was playing on a team that was a very low scoring team in general. Um, They were a much more defensive focused team. And so he also didn't have the ice time until later on in the season. So I think it even took them a while to realize what they had. Um, and it may be not until after the Olympics because his ice time shot up and he started producing more. Um, I also think that Slavkovsky is the type of player that, that is if you put him with NHL talent, if you put him with elite players, he is going to be that much better. We saw with Lucas Raymond this year, didn't have great minutes, didn't put up great numbers in Sweden, um, was kind of buried on the depth chart. Then he goes to the NHL. He's a top line forward and he he can do whatever he wants. And I think that Slavkovsky very well could be similar to that. I think Raymond has a little bit better hockey sense overall, but I still think that Slavkovsky is that, that physical beast that teams are really excited about. And there is, I, I would say there is, a, you know, it's, it's not zero that he doesn't go number one. And, and, you know, I think that it's, it's, it'd be hard for Montreal to, to pass on, you know, that easy, good old Canadian boy who has been the best player in his age group for forever versus this, guy who's really burst onto the scene the second half of the season. Now, everybody believed that Slavkovsky was going to be a first round talent, but I don't think anyone would have expected him to, to contend for number one, but he made a case for himself, not only at the Olympics, but the worlds. And then in the second half of his Finnish league season. Okay. So we've gotten through those first three players and haven't talked about a defenseman yet. It's going to be really interesting to see how this shapes up. You've got Simon Nemec, who's been a guy that's consistently been rising all season long, and David Yurichek, who's also a really highly thought of defenseman as well. Yeah, I mean, and that's, it's really tough to, it seems like those two have really separated themselves from the pack of the rest of the defensemen. Um, You know, initially I didn't love the defense class, but I think it really came on in the second half and it was led by those two guys. And I mean, Juracek didn't play in the second half, but he was always one of those guys that was, was, was out there. And then he ended up making the check team. Um, 
you know, but here's, here's, here's why teams love them so much. I mean, they're two right shot defensemen. They're both offensively gifted. Um, you know, Juracek is the bigger of the two. He's more physical. He's probably got a little bit higher defensive value overall. I think a better two-way player. Nemec, meanwhile, went off in the, the Slovakian pro playoffs. He was exceptional there. Um, and that was where he um, really kind of saw his draft stock start trending up. He also played at the world championship was excellent there as well. I thought he held his own, got more ice time as the tournament progressed. Um, very cerebral puck mover, um, just absolute dynamite distributor, one of the best passing defensemen in this draft. Um, and then Juracek has probably the best shooting defenseman in this draft. He has an absolute bomb. Um, he, he was on Czech's power play until they ended up getting some NHL reinforcements and he didn't play it much at the world championship, but it was important to see him play because he was, he, he blew out his knee at the, uh, at the world juniors this year and didn't play in the second half of the season. So it was good to see him healthy and effective and playing his game. Um, so I, I think that we have, uh, two really dynamite defensemen that you know could be cornerstone top four guys for, for, for teams. If everything goes right with both of them, because they, they are exceptionally talented. And that's exactly what you're looking for as a cornerstone guy that you can make one of the pillars to your team and, and you can have them for the next 10 to 15 years. Wanted to ask you, Chris, about the biggest stock risers and, and fallers, if you can call them that uh, the guys whose stock has been a little bit of a roller coaster and, one of the guys that you highlighted on dailyfaceoff.com, David Korchinski, a defenseman uh, playing in Seattle, who's been on a deep run in the Western Hockey League. What can you tell us about Kevin Korchinski and what kind of uh, what realm are we talking about him being selected in? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Korchinski's always kind of floated around the periphery of the top 15. Now I think it's looking more and more likely that, you know, there's a chance he could be the third defenseman. Um, you know, he's not going to be the, the the third defenseman on my personal board, but he is um, very much in that conversation with a lot of NHL teams. So it just matters of who's going to be picking there. Um, highly offensive. He's He's got a frame that he needs to fill out more, but he's got room to grow. Um, you know, he's had a very strong postseason with Seattle. I mean, nobody really expected Seattle to be at this stage of the season um, in the, uh, the, the final of the WHL. Um, so to see him kind of raise his level um, and just continue to get better and better and better as the season has worn on, um, he's one of the more you know exceptional offensive defensemen in a class that's full of very good offensive defensemen. So um, that's a guy you know he's got good size, he's got the, the good skating ability, makes good decisions with the puck. He's okay defensively. Um, I think he's improved in that regard. But yeah, he's playing top four minutes for a team that's, you know, in the WHL final. It's great experience for him. And it's certainly an opportunity for him to extend that uh that's that that rising stock for himself. Has anyone's stock fallen more than Matthew Savoy? I mean, you, you look at some of the early rankings, a lot of people had him in the top five. Um uh, seeing him a lot closer now to 10 to 15. Um, and is it all size related? I think it is size related. I think it's a, because a lot of teams don't believe he can be a center at the NHL level, um, which, you know, that affects anybody's value. Senators are more valuable than wings. Um, he did play center this year, played it very well. He's a highly competitive individual. Um, you know, he plays physically despite his stature. Um, and so that's, that's great to see that really helps him. Um, he is a dynamic skill player. You know, I think that his, his problem isn't really anything that he did or didn't do. I think it's just the class has, we've seen guys rise up um, and, and just kind of seize better opportunities. Like, you know, another guy who's like rising cutter Goche. He's a guy that played wing most this year that most teams feel could be a center. So all of a sudden that's a guy that we're, we're starting to talk about as a potential top five pick as a six foot three high scoring center, you know? So that's, that's another thing where, you know, it's just that kind of thing happens. I think the defensemen also, we didn't have a great feel for who were going to be the top defensemen this year. Then you get guys like Korchinski moving up. You get guys um, like Ryan Chesley from the, the national team development program. Um, you know, Pavel Mintukov from, from Saginaw. So all these guys are starting to move up and it pushes an undersized center further down. Um, you know, I think Savoy is an exceptional player. I think he's got a great skating ability and high end skill. So I like him a lot. Um, I just don't know exactly where, you know, where he'll end up going because it's going to be a team. If a team believes he can be a center, they'll probably still take him fairly high. If they don't, you know, he might slip 
a little further. And he did get injured at the end of the season, was at the combine, did not participate in the physical testing because of a shoulder injury. Good news there is that it's not a long-term thing. Um, everybody's satisfied that he'll be fully able to resume training and everything this summer um, and won't be too far behind, but he's a guy that just continues to need to get stronger um, uh, because he definitely has the tenacity to play. You know, uh, he, he'll find a way. I think he's just a highly competitive individual. So let's talk about the combine. It was completed in Buffalo over the weekend for the first time since 2019. How valuable do you think that was for teams and, and how much was it missing? And, and what do you, you know, just from the people you've talked to, what have you learned over the last week or so uh, from teams being at the combine? Yeah. People were very glad it was back. You know, scouts were very glad it was back. It's, you know, it's just another data point. It's not certainly going to be um, a huge factor on uh, I mean, the interview processes, I'm talking more about the physical testing, but it is, helpful data points. So you look like Cutter Goche, who I just mentioned was a, was a combine darling Logan Cooley and Frank Nays are also from the national team development program, guys that are really fast. They did very well with the lower body kind of testing and all those different things. So that was, you're starting to say, okay, well, there's that athletic element that isn't, that is on top of their skating ability. There's, there's, there's something behind it. Um, You know, so those guys did very well. Joachim Kamel was another one that did really well at the combine. So you know, I would say that the the scouts that I've spoken with, it's just the interview process. It was so important to them this year because these guys, it's been a lot harder, you know, with COVID and all the protocols, you can't have that one-to-one conversation. Now you get them in the same room and you start peppering them with questions. And I know everybody gravitates towards the weird questions and, and sure. I mean, like if there was something I saw about that right, one tweet over the weekend the, that the Montreal yeah. Canadians had asked some, uh, some players, <laughs> Would you rather take $10 that's sitting on the toilet seat or $50 that's sitting in the toilet itself? And you're like, uh, what are we yeah. hoping to learn here? Yeah. It brings a whole new meaning to going to the dirty areas. So, you know, like that's, <laughs> that, that's, you know, that, that kind of stuff is, is, is weird. But at the same time, there is a ton of valuable Intel that's gathered in these interviews because they're not just asking about that player. They're asking their teammates about that player. What's this guy like, who's that, you know, and that, that also helps. Um, and then because they're they're getting two answers. They're they're saying, how is this guy referring to his teammates? And oh, is there something we need to worry about those other guys? Or is there something we really like about those other guys? Um, and then, you know, some teams also bring out video and we'll we'll have them break down their plays and say, why did you do this? What happened here? What did you see here? Um, and so there's a lot of valuable information that can be gleaned from those interviews. And I, I know Chris Gear wrote on Daily Faceoff that you know the the, the interview can be something that does impact draft status. It can move guys up and down. And, um, you know, I haven't heard you it's, it usually takes a few days for it to trickle out. I haven't heard of anybody really tanking an interview. I haven't necessarily heard, um, about anybody that was exceptional, but, you know, I think that these guys are so well coached now, sometimes it's hard to know. So that's why they do ask those weird questions to, to try to throw them off their game a little bit. Well, I feel like the interview can be so overrated at times. Like the fact that it really can impact draft status, like, you know, I just think back to, I don't know, Matthew Barzell, for instance, and like the big thing that came out from, you know, his interview process, like, oh, this guy seems so confident, so sure of himself. He, it turned some teams off and mm-hmm. you're like, well, huh? Like he's just a really good player who happens to be sure of himself. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I heard one team at the combine this, this last week, they set up a Papa shot basketball net in their room. And basically (laughs) all they did was play basketball, takes, take shots with their guy for 20 minutes. I don't know what they were hoping to learn through that. Um, aside from maybe some athleticism or, uh, compete level, but, um, I have another, I heard another team that, um, you mentioned video. They actually had, they took clips from NHL video uh, this season and they would show the player like the beginning of a clip, not a highlight or anything like that, but they'd have the screen go black then and say, okay, what happens next? They want to see what that player picked up from watching that video and sort of, you know, what, what was their positional awareness? Like what, you know, hockey sense and IQ where, what are they seeing that maybe we're not, or what are they seeing as this whole thing develops that could tell us more about how his brain works? Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that is something that 
you know, I know that some teams really value and, and it's, I think it's important, you know, that, that is one way to gauge hockey sense. We are always trying to, how do we evaluate hockey sense? What are the ways that you do it? And there are plenty of on ice signifiers, but yeah, if you can do something like that, where it's like, wow, this guy really knows how, how the game is played. Um, it can make a difference. So, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, the general, the general feeling was that a lot of people were happy it was back and, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a media event. I wish the NHL made it even more of a media event by actually televising it and doing things like that. It's, it's probably not the most fun thing to uh, watch guys jumping around, but you know, it's a great opportunity to get these guys faces and names in front of NHL fans. Um, so I, I think that is a, you know, something that the NFL has done very well um, televising their combine, even though it's not something that, you know, the, the visually it's not always exciting, but you can get a lot of great interviews and a lot of insight from, from scouts and, and people that are there. Cause all the big decision makers are in Buffalo for a couple of days. So you might as well take advantage of it. Yeah. You see teams often take that opportunity to galaxy brain their selection as well. And, and teams kind of <laughs> go through the entire process now of talking themselves into or out of picks. One of the interesting things for me, Chris, about the draft process is everyone does it a little bit differently. Like some teams are grinding on their list until the night before. And they're like really battling. Like I I've talked to two teams in the last couple of weeks. They're like, yeah, our list has been done for a month. They might mm-hmm. make a slight adjustment here after the combine, you know, one guy they were really impressed with one guy, maybe they weren't. But other than that, they're like, we've had all of our, our viewings for the most part. Like we know where, where we're, slotted in the draft and we know who likely is going to be in our ballpark or range and we're comfortable. We're good. Is there a right way or wrong way to do it? Like how, why is there such a grind up until draft day itself? Like teams stressing out the night before getting their list ready. I I think part of it is, is it's such an, it's such a big decision. I mean, really it's a multi-million dollar decision, especially when you're at the top of the draft. And then, you know, I, I think that, the teams that have the most confidence in their area scouts and the teams that have, you know, the confidence in, in kind of the, their secondary, their crossover scouts, um, you know, they don't, they don't stress about it, but they want to make sure they want to do everything that, that is in their power. They want to make sure they have every single piece of information before they make this decision. And so I do think that that's, you know, sometimes you can overthink it. You're absolutely right. There are plenty of times where teams will completely talk themselves out of a player for some of the worst reasons. Um, and I do it too. I mean, I, I've done it too. I mean, I could be a complete moron for, for talking myself out of Shane, Wright. Like it's, I don't know yet. It, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, sometimes you, you try to keep it as simple as you can, but it's really not a simple process. Um, you know, I think this class in particular, is, is difficult because there is so, so many players that are tight together. Like, you know, even if, if Montreal is saying, I I believe them when they say they haven't made their decision yet. I believe them when they say that, because I think that it's too important decision to, to not exercise every single piece of, you know, getting guys, you know, they took Shane Wright out to dinner. They met with Uri Slavkovsky outside of the combine setting. They did all these different things to try and get, a feel for these players. And I think it's what they should do Um, where I I do think there can be a a overthinking. I think there can be an over-reliance on certain elements like size and other things. I I think this particular Stanley cup playoffs is a reminder that speed is so important in the NHL and that you have to, you know, faster teams are going to have more success. Um, I mean, even you look at New York Rangers and and the the success they've had, they have a lot of guys that can fly um, really good skating team. Same with Tampa. And obviously we've seen what Colorado's done with, with Edmonton, um, you know, so far. So, you know, I think that that's, that's something that, you know, teams are also judging where is the league going? That's the other thing you kind of have to figure out. And I think that what we're seeing in these playoffs is a better indicator of where the league is going um, because a couple of years ago, everybody was saying, well, we need to get bigger and heavier and be like the Washington capitals. And then all of a sudden, you know, the lightning start going off and, we got to get skilled. We got to get all these different guys. So, um, you know, I think everybody's trying to get to get to the bottom of how you get to be that kind of team. Um, and I think this draft, you know, you might not find your superstars, but there's certainly some value to be gained and you have to do all you can to, to find it. Well, the truth is there's really no one right way. It's a copycat league and, you know, you see teams, you know, you watch the Blackhawks win it and then the Kings 
follow with their heavy team. And all of a sudden everyone's trying to get heavy, as you mentioned, and then all of a sudden, boom, someone wins and it's a flip to speed and skill. Yeah. And then now, you know, even just talking to a number of managers over the last few weeks that have watched the playoffs, they're like, I don't care what anyone says, still need size, you know, trees win, not shrubs is, is the comment that I I've heard repeatedly over these playoffs. And I think there's something to that, but um, wanted to ask you before we play a little buy or sell, just, you mentioned the number one pick I've seen you write about it. The Montreal factor, this draft is different. It's the Canadians hosting the draft in the bell center, the first in-person draft since 2019. And they've got the number one pick. How much do you think the pressure of that will impact their decision-making process if they decide to say, hey, we're not going with Shane right here and make that bold decision? Not saying they will or won't. Do you, do you think in some ways this, you know, being in this spot may box them in a bit? I think it does. And I think that's what a lot of other teams have been saying too, is that, you know, how do you, if, if, if everybody had been saying Shane Wright is, you know, that he wasn't number one all year. Um, you know, if it wasn't, you know, people like me or, you know, I was one of the few people that would say, want to say that it wasn't at mid season, but it was like, still at the same time, most people would say he's, he's the closest thing we have to a consensus number one this year in a year where there isn't a hundred percent consensus. And so that does. And I think there were a lot of teams that said, I, you know, we don't want to be in that position because when you are in the number one position, there is an expectation um, that you pick, whoever that guy was that everybody else has been saying is number one, even if you don't think that's the guy Um, I think it being at home, it being Kent Hughes's first, you know, big pick, uh, you know, Jeff Gorton, this, their big decision um, outside of, you know, the things that they've already done to build up a lot of capital with the fan base, like Marty St. Louis and, you know, you know, just being, not being Mark Bergeron and, and, and uh, Dom Ducharme, you know, I think that's, that's helped, help their cause, but you know, you can really quickly flip it on a dime. If, if, if you go a different way. Um, the other thing too, is everybody's always talking about centers and, you know, I, I think, you know, for the way that they want to play for the style that they want to play, I, I still think Logan Cooley is a great fit for them. Shane Wright is a great fit for them that, you know, Uri Slavkowski could bring a lot of size that they could use up front. Um, you know, they, there's, there, there are arguments for all those players, but I think being at home with all the, you know, with people in the building um, and there will be a visceral reaction one way or the other. Um, I, I do think it does put much more pressure on them to maybe go if they, if they have any doubt then, you know, I, I, I'd be curious to see what they would do, but I, I do think, and, and most teams that are at, that have the number one pick, I've heard that before. It's like, we, we felt a lot of pressure to pick player X and they weren't at home and they weren't at home. Exactly. And in the biggest yeah. building in the NHL to, <laughs> to, pick, to make that pick. It's a tough spot. Let's uh, let's bring in Tyler Remchuk. Let's have a little fun with this week's edition of buy or sell. Yes. As always, buy or sell is delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. And I know you guys have been talking a lot of draft, but we'll go a little more NHL focused here in the playoffs for buy or sell. Today's actually going to be fill in the blank. My bad. But anyways, delivered by DoorDash promo code rundown DD. Gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Uh, the big talk out of game three between Edmonton and Colorado was the hit by Evander Kane that has taken Nazem Kadri out of the series. He got one game for it. So your first question is the Evander Kane suspension was blank, Frank. Fair. I mean, that play is probably as dirty as it gets. I don't understand the explanation from Kane of bracing myself for a reverse hit from Kadri. Oh, he said, Oh, I, I know Kadri likes to throw those. Okay, fine. Why'd you cross check him in the back then? Like you have your hands out and you extend them and you push him into the boards. And that is one of the most dangerous plays that you can make. It's a potential broken neck. It's a potential lot of things. And it sure looks like Kadri hurt his wrist in the process in a pretty significant way. Don't know if he's going to be available for the cup final or not. But um, one game and an elimination game makes sense to me. Chris? Yeah, I, I agree. I thought it was completely fair. Um, and I, I'm with Frank on, you know, just it, it, the arms are extended. And that's, that's where, you know, 
whether you're bracing, or not, you, you probably shouldn't brace for a hit with your arms out. It's not going to be good for your arms. So, um, you know, I, I would say, I would say that, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's certainly, I mean, you, the fact that it was only a major in the game really stands out to me as a, as a reason that there also should have been a suspension. I think you know, if you give them a game in that instance, maybe you don't suspend them because I agree. He basically so early. The entire, he missed. Yeah. He misses the entire game essentially at that point. Yeah. Um, and, but, but now it, it, it doubly hurts you because it sapped all your momentum from the first game. And now you're missing your leading goal scorer. Yeah, the five-minute major comes just moments after Connor McDavid set that building on fire with the first goal. Uh, so 200 teams have fallen behind 3-0 in NHL postseason history, and only four have ever come back. So that would tell you, you know, 2% chance of it happening, I suppose. Uh, but I want to ask you, the Oilers have a blank percent chance of coming back on the abs. Chris, I'll let you go first. Zero uh, percent, Tyler. Zero. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it, and it's it's it's... I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to do that to you Edmonton fans. I, I think it's good to hope it's good to dream, but I really, at this point, you look at the three games that have been played, the avalanche have won each game by multiple goals. Um, you know, they, they've gotten the goaltending that they've needed from Pavel Francouz that, you know, they've done everything right for the most part in this series. Um, I think game one was really the one where they got away from their game at certain times for the most part, they've controlled possession. They've controlled the scoring chances to a significant degree. And at the same time, you know, we've seen Mike Smith, it, I think, you know, time has finally caught up to him um, in these last couple of games of the series. He's he's been a big reason the Oilers are in this position. Unfortunately, I think he's also going to be a reason at this stage of the series that they won't be able to go further. But um, yeah, so 0.0% is my answer. I uh, I said 2% chance of teams coming back from 3-0. I might give the Oilers a 2% chance of just winning tonight. Frank, what's your <laughs> Yeah, I'm also going to say zero. Um, I just think this, this is a sweep. Oh, it's a lot different when you got to go home anyway, I think. And instead you you need to rally yourself and your team, especially one that's banged up to then get on a plane again, to then maybe lose again. I don't, I'm not seeing it. I think it ends in a sweep. Patrice Bergeron collected another Selkie trophy. Patrice Bergeron is a top blank all time defensive player or defensive centerman, Frank. Two. Ooh. All right. I mean, maybe you could make the list three. Like I'm trying to think how many people would re- reasonably be included in the conversation. You've got Bob Gainey, the player who the award was created for. He won it four times in a row to start. You've got Patrice Bergeron, who now has five. Maybe Bobby Clark. Like I'm trying to like there's not very many players that are in the conversation of that category of defensive commitment. And I'd say for me, Tyler, he's top one. Um, and that's because I wasn't alive and not, neither was Frank when, yeah. when, when most of those other guys were no, but it really in all, in actuality, I think you look at the way the NHL is played right now. You look at the, the fact that, that this is a guy that, you know, we talk about aging curves and everything else who has been the best. I mean, he was far and away the best defensive center in the league this season, you know, at, at a year where he's already started, you know, he's considering retirement and he's still the very best. Uh, you know, I just think the game is faster. The game has been, uh, you know, there are more teams, obviously there are more, there's, there's so much more that he has to deal with as a defensive center. Um, and we have so many more metrics that we're able to use to, to, to really document just how good he is. And he just shatters all of them. So I would say, you know, I, I think there's a very strong case that he's the best defensive center of all time. He's certainly the best defensive center of my lifetime. Um, and, and I think that that's, you know, I, I'm I'm willing to debate anyone else that says, you know, others, but those are the guy that, that he's to me, he's, he's it. Wrapping it up with our points bet bonus question for our friends over at points bet Canada, which is live in Ontario. Uh, looking at the Stanley cup odds, the Colorado avalanche minus two twenty five favorites to hoist the Stanley cup. And then you got the Rangers at plus 375 and the Lightning at plus 500. Either of those Eastern teams uh, catch your eye in terms from a betting perspective. Like I actually, I think the Lightning at plus 500 is a fairly interesting spot. Your Chris, Chris, your thoughts on the odds? Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm a sucker for value hunts. I mean, and I think until 
that that lightning one is really interesting to me for sure. I, I, you know, I haven't loved the way that they played in the series. I'm worried about them not having Braden points. You know, there are a lot of things that, that are concerning to me on that front, but I still think that they are, they, they have that championship mentality. They've, they've really found a way in these series. I I think that the lightning um, that, that is very tempting at that number to, 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 to put a little coin on the, uh, on the defending champs. Yeah, I agree. That'd be the only team I would consider. Um, no offense to the Rangers. Um, I, I just, they've found some mojo in these playoffs. There's no question about that. They're also two and six on the road. And I just, as good as Igor Shesterkin is, I don't think either team, I really don't think either team in the East, and I say that with all due respect to the Lightning, who are struggling a bit with the Rangers, are going to size up very well against Colorado. Colorado looks like an absolute beast. Yeah, right now it's hard. To, it would be hard to bet against the Colorado Avalanche. That's going to do it for another edition of Fill in the Blank delivered by DoorDash. All right, now let's get to our very special guest as promised. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Our next guest is the pride of Klatovi, Czechia. He has played the last three seasons against the top men in his country. He's a six foot three right shot defenseman projected top 10 overall pick in the upcoming draft. He's got a bronze medal in his trophy case from the recent world championships. And he's, as I mentioned, an absolute bomb from the point. The DFO rundown is pleased to welcome in David Yerichek. David, how you doing? Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, coming and and uh, thank you. I'm uh, John to to you and 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 uh, make make this 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 interview. Thank you. Yeah, no, we're really glad to have you, David. Um, I wanted to ask you what this process has been like for you leading up to the draft. You know, you most players would like to get an opportunity to be at the combine. You had some more important things on the schedule and in, in helping your country to a bronze medal at the world championships and didn't make it over yeah. to Buffalo. Yeah. So what has the process been like for you meeting with teams, a lot of it virtually through conversations like this one uh, using zoom. Oh, oh. We'll make uh, this 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 Zoom uh, for for two weeks two weeks so so uh, maybe in 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 Montreal uh, I will make some 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 interviews with with teams so a lot of interviews I think I will have uh, we will see in draft and and uh, I am happy for 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 this interviews in with with, with every team so we will see. So, David, when you take a look at your season and and how it's unfolded, um, you know how how do you think you fared, and how more how much more comfortable were you this year um, in your third season now playing in the Czech League? Yeah, I think uh, I I had a very very good season because uh, in person I I had a lot of ice time, so so that's great for me. I have to have uh, a lot of ice time, so so. 
in Pozon, Turtigo in Pozon, and and great city, great town. My 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 uh, uh, place in my heart, Pozon. So so for me, uh, the club, uh, the journey. So we will see after draft. Maybe I will go to to the America, or or I will stay in in, in Pozon. So I think I I had a very good season, and and it was a shame uh, I was hurt, so I didn't play. Uh, Three months, so that bad. But but uh, I think I had to, I had a great season. David, you know, I want to talk about that injury because obviously, you know, it happened at the World Juniors, which ended up getting canceled as well. So really unfortunate timing for you. But yeah, how yeah, did how did yeah. how did how did the rehab go? And I mean, it it says a lot about your season that not only were you able to come back, but you were able to make this, the men's national team as well. So, I mean, just what was that process like kind of getting back and, and how's the, how's everything going right now? How are you feeling? Yeah. Rehab was, was great because I was in person with, with, with uh, good, good, good people around me, very good surgery, uh, good, good, good physiotherapist in person. So I had, Best in best three months and and then I can go 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 back back to the ice. Yeah, and I also wanted to ask you. you know, everybody talks about um, your shot. H- how long how long have you been practicing that? When did when did you really first get a hold of one? And we're like, oh, this is going to be fun. Uh, you know, <laughs> I just yeah, wonder about yeah. uh, uh, how you develop that. Uh, too. <laughs> uh, I think I have I have I have uh, better passing than than shooting, but but. Hmm. Uh, this year, uh, I had I had uh, good goals uh, from from blue line, so <laughs> I think <laughs> I think shot uh, yeah uh, a few times I I I I score some goals, but but I think uh, that's 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 not my my big 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 strong 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 side. You mentioned the passing and the shooting, David. What areas of your game would you like to improve? Like, where do you need to continue to get better? Yeah. Uh, I think I think in 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 defensive zone, you know, one on one or some 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 fights uh, on the board. So uh, this this things and and of course uh, I I need uh, more more muscles, uh, more 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 strength, you know. So uh, this this these two things, I think. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about just that experience with the men's national team winning a bronze medal. It was the first bronze for for Czechia in ten years. Um, but there were also a lot of yeah. great NHL players on that roster, guys that have played in the league yeah. before. Um, was there anybody that you were able to kind of learn from while you were there? Was there anybody that gave you some advice? And, yeah. and maybe what was that yeah. advice? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, David Krejci, uh, David Pasternak, uh, these guys. So. Uh, are our best best in the best in the NHL I think great great duo so these guys uh, of course Philip Ronan so from 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 Detroit uh, best 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 Czech 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 players so uh, great great experience for me how how do you think they helped you David Pasta uh, said said to me don't be afraid to, to play so for me it was great 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 uh, from from pasta uh, great great uh, feedback you know so uh, for me uh, great to be uh, with with these guys in in one locker room yeah when when someone like that tells you to to not be afraid that kind of feels like you belong um how you know how far away do you think you are from making an impact at the nhl level i know you mentioned you know maybe you come over and play in north america next season um you know if not you know what do you think you you know how far away do you think you are yeah i know yeah uh i think it will be a, a, a long, long journey, you know, because uh, NHL is the is the best league in the world, and uh, I think I I have to uh, improve in 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 every uh, every shot, shooting, uh, skating, everything. Uh, I need improve to to the NHL. Yeah, and, and David, the uh, you know. There's been a lot of talk between you and Simon Nemich uh, being the top two defensemen. Yeah. I mean, if uh, if you had to pick between you or Nemich, I mean, what what's the case for picking you? Yeah. Why, why why should teams pick you? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we will see because uh, we are uh, uh, different pl- players. 
I'm, I'm, I think the more skating than him, uh, he has, he has better hockey sense. So, uh, you'll see him maybe, uh, uh, some teams, uh, need, 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 uh, this pair, some, something, uh, some teams need this pair. So maybe, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, some teams, I don't know. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, Shimon is a great player. So he is he's Slo- Slovakian. So uh, we are brothers. So you know. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> great, great to Czechoslovak hockey to to have uh, this this person and of course Yuraslavkovsky and then Jiri uh, Kulich. You know uh, a lot of guys from 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 Czechoslovakia uh, will 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 go uh, in the in the first round. So. That doesn't matter if 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 I will go fifth and and uh, Shimon fourth. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing it, David. Uh, thank you so much for joining the DFO rundown. Uh, best of luck leading up to the draft and enjoy it. Thank you very much and and uh, have a nice day. Bye. All right, Chris, that was David Juracek. Going to be fascinating to see how that plays out between Juracek, Simon Nemec, uh, to see who that top defenseman taken is. Who do you think it'll ultimately be? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's tough to say. I think they are so close. I personally have Juracek a little bit ahead of Nemec. I think the size factor, there's a little bit more, um, you know, rounded. I think his game's a little bit better rounded as your check mentioned, he's a really good skater. Um, and that's, that's probably one of the big things that, that stands out about his game is that he's a six foot three right shot defenseman that can skate and has that bomb of shot. And, and it, it, it did me well to hear. He's like, I actually think I'm a better passer than I am a shooter. And, and I would agree. He, he does pass well, though. I'd say Nemec is probably the better of the two in that particular department, but I think it's really tight between both of those players. I'm going to be fascinated to see who, who likes them. Uh, you know, I think that the, you look at the Seattle crack and they're in a really good spot to potentially get a defenseman in that range. And it, it, you know, I think that could be the team that we find out, you know, which of these two guys is the number one defenseman in this draft. Yeah, it's no doubt going to be interesting. Top defenseman, which player is the top player taken? Uh, as we talked about, that'll be a lot to decide over the next month until the NHL draft. Thanks so much, Chris, for hopping in. This has been our DFO Rundown 2022 NHL Draft Special. Enjoy the lead-up to the draft and enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by Dorn. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. 
Now here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.